0: I would keep going to UCB, the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, and like watching shows and taking classes. And then I think, I mean, truly, within a few months of me moving to New York, I was like,
1: this is my everything. (laughs) Hey, listeners. In today's episode, we're sharing an interview with the comedian, actress, and writer, Sashir Zameda. Sashir has not only broken into the entertainment industry, but into the notoriously cutthroat world of comedy. You may have seen her flash or comedic style as a cast member on Saturday Night Live. She's also made many comedy best of lists, including Cosmopolitan, 13 Funny Women to Watch, and Time Out New York's Top 10 Funniest Women in NYC. is booked and busy. She's appeared on Late Night with Stephen Colbert, Netflix The Last OG, Hulu's Woke, as well as in films like The Weeknd and I Feel Pretty with Amy Schumer. She's also performed at places like Bonnaroo, South by Southwest, New York Comedy Festival, and so many others. Her stand-up special Pizza Mind is available on Amazon Prime, and she's one half of the podcast's Best Friends with Nicole Byer, her BFF and host of Nailed It. If that wasn't enough, she also serves as a celebrity ambassador for the American Civil Liberties Union and works with the Women's Rights Project. In today's episode with Sophia, Sashir talks about why she decided to break into comedy after college, why she doesn't believe in getting a big break, and why there's no better time than now to be a content creator. Enjoy the conversation. Thank you for joining me on Girl Boss Radio today. Thank you
0: for having me. Welcome.
2: So I want to talk just about your career, about uh, all the amazing things that you've done, your podcast, your upcoming projects. Um, But first I want to start at the beginning because we all have a first job. It's true. And sometimes they're not so glamorous. Yeah. Um, That's definitely not necessarily usually as glamorous as being on television or in in films. Unless you're a child star. Some people, yes. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Unless you're Drew Barrymore. Yeah. What was your first job?
0: My first job was being a caterer at my college, um, which honestly was a nice, cushy job for a college student. Like, uh, you know the sports suites where they where if you're like a VIP, you get to watch the football game. Yeah. So they have caterers for that, and you would just go around ask people what they wanted. Like, do you want chicken nuggets or cupcakes? And they like, both. Yeah, and they like, yes, all of the above, and then we just bring it to them and everything was like on that floor. So like the kitchen was on that floor, the carts to wheel it were on that floor. So there was very little like lifting or cleaning, and we did clean after, after, but uh, that job was easy. But then I continued to cater over the summer, like real catering through the school, but like also off the grounds, and that was pretty hard, because it was a, a lot of lifting and driving to locations and cleaning up a lot of messes and stuff.
2: What school and what stadium? University of Virginia and whatever that stadium is called. (laughs) (laughs) The boxes are cool. Like I, there was a time where like banks would like court us or like, oh, nasty gal worked with Bank of America Mm -hmm. and they had like a box and like they wanted to make us feel special or something. We got to sit up there and I was like, yeah, there's like a cart. It's like, what is this bounty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Free food. Nobody told me I was going to get free food. Yeah. And we would provide that.
0: And then afterwards people would leave. So much food because, I don't know, they're full of money and they don't care about food. So uh, the scavengers that we were, we would take a lot of it home
2: and that would be really nice. That was one of my next questions. Yeah. I was like, maybe that's off topic, but I was going to ask. I don't work did there you, anymore. <laughs> did you eat the food? I worked at a donut place and, you know, at the end of the day, they throw away all the donuts. Yeah. And just put them in a super sterile garbage bag mm-hmm. and take them home and have like a bounty of donuts. Yeah.
0: It was so nice. We also uh, catered a wedding and they had terrible decorations for the reception. It was like under the sea or something. And so there was a fishbowl at every table, like the tiny fishbowl with beads and a betta fish. And that was supposed to be a gift for the wedding guests to take home, but no one wants to take home a responsibility. So they're like, so there were so many fish left. And so all the caterers are like, we'll take one. And so I took a fish and... It
2: died pretty quickly. Oh, that's a weird gift. I had a yeah. boyfriend in high school who got me a turtle. Oh, And they're like filthy. You know, it was a little baby turtle, but it was like in a gift bag and I had to buy a terrarium and a light oh, and like yeah. rocks and like turtle food and it's like, feed here's the turtle and then clean its poop. And, yeah. you know, it's a lot of work. That's a lot to of have work. a turtle in your bedroom. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. It lasted two weeks. That mm-hmm. was like a really long relationship for me. <laughs> so. Tell me about the days before you got into comedy. Were you always, were you running around as a kid telling jokes? Mm. Was there a time where you were like, I'm funny? There was a time when I was
0: like, I'm funny. I mean, uh, I was making jokes to my friends, but I was a relatively shy kid. Um, Like when I became a comedian, my family members were like, how did you know? We didn't, like, (laughs) we could never tell. But my friends weren't surprised because I would whisper jokes to them in class and stuff. And I think I was always a fan of comedy. I would like watch Comedy Central all the time. I watched Mad TV. I watched SNL. I was like a huge comedy nerd. And then uh, my volleyball coach in middle school took the volleyball team to an improv show, I guess, as like a we're done with the season kind of thing. And I remember watching it and being like, oh, my God, they're so good. This is like magic. Like they're just making up on the spot. And then I found out my high school had an improv team, so I auditioned for that, uh, made it, then I quit because it interfered with my show choir, rehearsals, and that was my life at the time. But then picked it back up in college and, yeah, was just like performing a ton. And then when I moved to New York, I thought I was going to do theater but kept getting drawn back to improv. So eventually it was like, I'm just going to dedicate my time to this, see how it goes, and
2: it worked out pretty well. I always think of the funny kids in school as, like, the bad kids. Uh-huh. It sounds like you were not. I was not. I was a very good girl. Yeah. I had
0: really good grades. I did every single extracurricular activity you could possibly do. Um. Yeah. And I, I definitely didn't act out. I mean, I was sarcastic, and so there were some teachers that didn't like that, but I don't think I would call myself a bad kid.
2: So your dad was a lieutenant colonel in yeah. the Air Force. Yeah. Was he a pretty serious guy?
0: No, actually. No, he's a goofball. He's, like, very jokey. And I think that's how I was, like, introduced to a performer. Because I I would see him do speeches all the time. Like, he was, like, a teacher in the Air Force, and he gave speeches for some reason. I, I don't know what the content was. I just know he was doing it. And so I remember watching him and being like, oh, yes, that's a logical thing to do is to speak in front of people. So I kind of was bred to do. I just knew like, oh yes, I, I can do that too. It's not a it wasn't a fear for me.
2: Do you think that being raised by someone with that amount of discipline affected has affected your work ethic? Mm, interesting question. Um
0: Um I don't think so. I mean, I think well, so he because he's in the Air Force, we moved around a ton. Uh like I was born in Japan, we moved to Texas, Kentucky, Virginia, California. And so every couple of years I was the new kid. So I feel like that, I don't know, made me kind of like have to meet new people and like tell them who I am very quickly. Like I never wanted to be like new. I wanted to be like, I'm your friend right now. So I think that kind of instilled some sort of like, I guess, ballsiness in me that maybe would have taken longer to develop if I had just lived in one place.
2: Do you think humor in everyday life like do use humor in everyday life to like get along or to meet new people or like how do you think humor affects us in our daily lives? How can we use humor to disarm people to, um, you know, build relationships or get a job or negotiate or, you know, I think it is a little bit of like an enzyme for. Um, for people to connect with one another and because it can be very scary. People are scared of one another. There's a lot of ego or, you know, people get nervous. Um, How has comedy aided you, I guess, in your everyday life or how can we use comedy to help us get by in this like very very stressful world?
0: Well, one thing I like about comedy is that you can find people who are like-minded just by the way they joke about something or if you understand the same kind of joke, you're like, oh you're my people good uh so like you can kind of find your tribes or at least have someone to have inside jokes with so yeah for friendships for work environments if you just like throw a joke out there to like test the waters then hopefully someone will bite and then you know it's, it's a little more comforting
2: do you do that strategically like throw jokes out there just to be like all right this is, per- mm. is this a, is the person you know
0: maybe i used to now it's so second nature i i don't know when I'm doing it but yeah there may be a time where I was like let's see if this is okay it is okay okay so maybe I can talk to this person about other stuff and then also like if someone shuts it down is like I don't get that then it's like okay then we are
2: Mm -mm, you're not my person so you got into comedy in high high college yeah I will say college Yeah. yeah high school college when did you start taking it seriously? You couldn't yeah. do the improv because you were doing another extracurricular activity, uh-huh. so um, A-plus <laughs> on that. When? What was the first thing you did to say, like, all right, I'm going to do this professionally?
0: I think when I moved to New York in 2009, I thought I was going to—I studied theater, so I thought I was going to, like, audition for Broadway plays and do that whole thing, which I did audition for stuff, didn't get anything. And it's, like, just a different grind. I was not— built for i respect it love it but i was like i can't i i can't do this right now <laughs> i need money right now um and but i would keep going to ucb the upright Citizens brigade theater and like watching shows and taking classes and then i think i mean truly within a few months of me moving to new york i was like this is my everything <laughs> i just fell in love so hard and so fast and honestly was only doing it because i it was it was fun it like it brought me joy and eventually I started seeing monetary rewards from it but like when I was first doing it I was like well let's just do it because it's like just a nice thing for me to do and it's fun and also like it's a cool community of people I'm meeting really awesome people that I want to collaborate with and like also just spend time with all the time and yeah then eventually
2: other people started noticing my talents and Paying me for them. <laughs> so tell me about Upright Citizens Brigade. That's UCB. You yes. mentioned not everybody. Yeah, who lives in? I mean, it's like if you live in LA, you know that. What's yeah. UCB? UCB is an improv. Well, it's a comedy
0: theater. They have improv, sketch, stand up, um, alternative comedy, whatever you want. And it was created by Matt Besser, Ian Roberts, uh, Matt Walsh, and Amy Poehler, who started doing comedy in Chicago came to New York, created a theater there, and they started teaching classes and uh, gave a space for people to perform, and it's been growing and growing and growing, and now there's a location in L.A., and yeah, that's where I started, and I I knew about it because one of their touring companies came to my college my senior year, and I remember watching it and being like, I gotta go wherever they're from, and someone actually did, like a, they did a Q&A with the college improv group's Uh, and themselves and someone asked how do you get a career in comedy and Bobby Moynihan who was on the team at the time was like oh you just moved to New York work really really hard and go to UCB and I was like okay and I remember that and then when I moved to New York went to UCB also saw like Amy Poehler Horatio Sands like a ton of people on stage and I was like oh all the people I was looking up to like when I was watching TV came from here and I so maybe I should be here to do the thing that I was planning on doing. So
2: yeah, who else came out of that ecosystem? Out of UCP, so many.
0: I mean, Zach Woods, Thomas Middleditch, Ben Schwartz, uh, Lennon Parham, Jessica St. Clair, um, I Moynihan.
2: Um, gosh, who else? Just so Middleditch many is Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. I saw him perform at UCB. Oh, yeah. Before Silicon Valley. Oh, fun. And I was like, that guy's the best person he, in the room. Who is that guy? Yeah, he's a star and he's yeah. like such a good performer. Yeah. Um, So, was you started getting paid. Yeah. Was, was that right away? Like, how did that happen? Did people approach you? Yeah. It wasn't right away, but it
0: was pretty fast for someone just starting comedy. So, I... Uh, Had an improv group, and it was with two other black women, which was very rare at the time. So I think people were, like, really excited about us and came to our shows. So um, my manager came to a show and saw me and then called me in and and signed me. And then I started, like, going out for commercial auditions and booking some of them. So that's how some income came. Same with my commercial agent, like, saw me perform. So, like, people just see you do something good, and they're like, I want... (laughs) To make money off of that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was a huge help. And also, that's how, like, SNL found out about me. The artistic director of UCB, like, you know, gave it. was like, hey, you should come to this show and see these girls perform. They're killing it. And they came and asked us to uh, send tapes and audition in person and do the whole thing. And,
2: yeah, then eventually paid off. Do you think it's important to have an agent?
0: Um, I think starting out, it's important to have an agent. I think at some point in time it's like people don't people can just talk to you and be like oh you're jennifer lawrence just come here like we need you for this movie uh but yeah definitely in the beginning because they're like selling you they're they're the people who are like getting into doors and being like you gotta see this kid and otherwise you you may not you be be a kid who no one sees for a
1: extra, while extra extra yes <laughs> hey listeners exciting news we're launching the Girl Boss Goal Setting Workshop series and we want you there. We're still working out a few of the details, but wanted to give you a sneak preview. Tickets will be 40 bucks a pop, and the courses are open to you, your West Coast cousins, your cool friend in Paris, and any other girl bosses around the world. No matter where you are, this is the perfect opportunity to make 2021 your year. Courses start soon, so stay tuned for details or check our Instagram. We can't wait to see you there.
2: For those of us who want to get into entertainment in any capacity or comedy, how would you how would you recommend going about finding an agent? Mm,
0: uh, there's so many ways. Wait till ways. they find you. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they ideally they are trying to keep their uh, fingers on the pulse of comedy and entertainment. So uh, if you are creating your own material. That is a great way to get seen and noticed because people will like send your videos to other people or or just say, hey, you guys see this one person show at this theater or whatever. It's amazing. And that's one way to do it. Um, I think there's like, I don't know, classes you can take where you meet people. But I, I, those are sometimes scams. But get out there. Honestly, just create your own stuff. That's that's what's worked for me for everything. Anytime like. Uh, I got to like the next level of my career or like gotten a new job or something or just got hired off just because someone liked me. It's because they saw me do a thing that I created. And that's what I would recommend to anybody who's trying to do
2: that. Of those moments, what would, what would you say your proudest is?
0: Oh, Well, at UCB, uh, I, there's, you can audition for a house team. I auditioned maybe three times and didn't get on a team. And the group that I created with two of my friends. Same deal with them. They also auditioned for a bunch and didn't make it. Um, but then, like, we ended up getting our own r- run at the theater, and that was like a big deal, and also not a thing that would happen to indie teams. So uh, it was it was nice because like that was like a clear moment where it was like, oh, you know what? I don't have to wait for someone to say yes. I'm just gonna make my own thing, and then see what happens. And that
2: turned out to be way more fruitful than. Waiting. So, when you started getting that early work, were you also working another job? Or, you know, when you first started out, were you going to UCB? Was there, were you doing, was this your side hustle? Or were you working like full time, part time somewhere else?
0: Yeah. When I first got to New York, I worked at AmeriCorps, which is like the Peace Corps, but in America. And I found out about this program because Michelle Obama did a interview for Newsweek or something and mentioned it and I was like oh this sounds nice and they had like um it was all non-profit work but they had like artistic ventures within it and that's what I was interested in so I worked at a community development organization in Bed-Stuy that had like a youth arts academy where they taught African drumming and dance to kids in the community and I helped with their their social media media and their like organization stuff in the background But yeah
2: and now you are the ACLU's celebrity ambassador yeah. for women's rights. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that.
0: Uh, it's great. I They approached me a few years ago, which is really great and, you know, makes me feel very proud that they saw my work and thought it aligned with what they were doing and were like, can you be our mouthpiece? And I was like, hell yeah. So uh, basically what I do is just whatever they need to be done. So if there's an issue they want to highlight or a cause they want to promote, I we'll talk to them about like how can we best get this out to the people so like I've written sketches for them I've written essays for them uh, I'll go to events and talk or do stand-up or whatever you want but uh yeah I think it's a good way for me to like still fulfill that like um social justice side of my work and also perform at the same time so yeah it's it's been a good relationship
2: For those of us that can't necessarily donate to the American Civil Liberties Union, Mm -hmm. how would you say we can get involved? What can we do to support the ACLU?
0: Yeah. Well, you can look at their website and they most likely have some sort of organization in your community that is smaller than theirs, but like one that they work with or one that they support or just recommend that you look into. Um, And you can donate your time. You can show up places. You can pack uh, bags for people who may need them on the street or, like, book bags for kids who are going to school or or whatever. Um, or just, like, honestly spreading the word. Just knowledge is so important and, like, they're talking about their stuff all the time. So, like, you can just follow their Twitter and the, and see what they're talking about every single day. And if you think there's something you can do in your community, you can do it. Or just retweet and maybe some one of your followers will know what to do. But, like, uh, yeah, I do think it gets daunting because you're like oh these issues are so big and like I, I, I'm just one person but like you can do a whole lot locally in your own community if you see like a, a need in the school district or in the environment that you're in you can fill it you can just I don't know you can you can do that you know more than anyone else who lives there what's going on so
2: you can at least try it's up to you yeah it's up to all of us so I want to go back to your career yeah, yeah. um was there a moment that you were like, oh, my God, this is my big break? Was it a series of breaks or was it like, oh, shit, like tipping point?
0: Hmm. Um, I guess a series of breaks, like, yeah, I feel like I get asked, like, what's the biggest like success or what's the biggest no you've ever gotten? And honestly, I think most careers are a series of yeses and a series of nos. Like, I'll keep getting successes. That are great, but like once I get that, there's always like another thing I'm trying to get. So uh, it's never like this was the biggest. It's like this is big, but it's also going to lead me to another big thing. And then even when I get no's, it's like yeah, that sucked, but also this this will keep happening for the rest of my career. I'll you know I will consistently get no's because that's what entertainment is. But that's also okay because it motivates me to try something else in a different direction.
1: What's
2: like the next, next, next thing? Like, what's the like pinnacle of like? Damn, if I do this in my career, like, I'm good. Mm. I mean, I do want to direct. I don't know if that's
0: next, 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 or next, next, or next, mm-hmm. or next, 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 next. yeah. You know, but uh, I do want to direct. I like. I just like the form of of film, and I think I'd be good at it. But also, I haven't done it yet, so I gotta learn about it. But yeah, that's something as that a goal I want. Um, also, just want to keep creating my own stuff, and I think I'm on the right pl- path to doing that.
2: <laughs> was there ever a time where you were like, "Oh my God, maybe I should throw in the towel"? No. Okay, doesn't sound like it.
0: Yeah, I'm really confident. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really confident in what I got, so I feel like I was like, "There's, there's no way it won't go
2: well." And maybe that's dumb, but I don't know. It it's worked not out. Dumb. I mean, I yeah. think that's the thing that, like becomes the I don't know like I wear hiking (laughs) sometimes I wear hiking boots Uh and it's like the difference between like wearing like a regular sneaker and a hiking boot when you're hiking is like I don't know I feel like that vision and your what what you're capable of even if it seems totally unreasonable is like the tread in your hiking boot that lets you just like tumble over stuff that you totally shouldn't in this really like superhuman way. Yeah. um, That just like ignores the truth that is like, okay, I'm walking on a bunch of rocks and sticks and it's actually muddy, but somehow this is working for me. I like that. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I do like hiking. (laughs) So for someone who wants to get into comedy, um, there's all these new platforms. There's TikTok. Mm Mm-hmm. There's still YouTube. There's open mics. What What would your advice be for someone who's like, all right, I want to go give this a shot. Should they go to UCB, move to L.A., move to New York? Mm-hmm. Should they record a video of themselves and send it to an agent? Like, what would you say they should do? Oh, boy.
0: Yeah, there's so many ways to get into it now, and which is so wonderful. And also that you can truly self-produce the stuff that you're making yeah you don't you don't have to go through anybody you don't have to go to a theater if you don't want to you don't have to go to school if you don't want to you don't have to look for anyone to like put your content out there you could truly make it put it out for, for people to see receive the feedback and keep going so i don't know i i miss the whole like um social media uh comedy boom i guess um so that's honestly not where I would personally want to put my efforts. Like I had a manager who was like representing a bunch of YouTube people and was like, "Why don't you start a YouTube channel and do vi- daily videos and stuff like that?" And I was like, "I can see how that's benefitting performers. I can see how you can grow an audience from that, how you can make money from that. That's just not what I want to do." And I, and I can and also and I'm not even trying to shit on it. I can see how much work goes into it. It's a lot of work that I don't want to do. So for people who want to do that, do it. But if you don't want to, don't do it because you think it's going to, like, get you numbers really quick. Unless you don't care about the content or artistry of your work and you just and that is your goal, then that's fine. But if you care about your artistry and, like, the, the work you're putting out there and your voice, then I would say write. Write a lot. Write for yourself. Write for other people. Meet other people. Collaborate with people. Um... Take classes if you can. If not, there's a ton of information for free
2: online. Um, yeah. So it sounds like you really only put your time into things that you have your heart in. Yeah. Have there been times where you've turned down, you know, it sounds like, hey, okay, it's like, oh, yeah, there's money here, agent, great. Thanks so much. You can make money on me if I do this. But you know what? This falls outside of my thesis. Yeah. Of what makes me happy. Is there an example of a of, of great opportunity or mediocre opportunity that you've turned down where the money could have been good?
0: Huh, I'm trying to think. I've definitely, I mean, I've been saying no for years. So I don't know. I'm honestly trying to can't think of anything specific because it, it leaves my brain as soon as I say no. Um, that's good. <laughs> More room for yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, recently I said no to some stand-up gigs because they didn't want to pay me as much as I'm worth. And like, and that sucks because it's like, I can do that. I can go to this town and do stand-up and I love doing stand-up and I'll, it'll be some money and some audience, but it's still like, no. If word gets out that I'm going places for this much money, then that's how much money I'm going to get. So no, I'll come to your town when you pay me as much as I'm I'm owed. Good for you.
2: Yeah. How do you think about longevity? You know, because there can be like flash in the pan. Yeah. Moments for people who just say yes to everything, and then it's like, all right, we're we're we've seen enough of you, or um, they do something to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it's like a, a whole world of that right now. But how do you think about? you know, a sustainable career in comedy? You know, is there yeah. an approach you have or someone whose career you really admire who's done a great job of that?
0: Mm. I mean, I admire Sarah Silverman's career and her as a person. Like, I think she's she does a really good job of, like, coming out with new specials, like, every two or three years as opposed to being like, every year is a new hour because some people are good at that, but some people also do it because they're getting money now. And, I mean, no one's offering me offering me millions of dollars for a special every year, so I don't know what I would do. But it is nice when a comedian takes their time to create new content that actually um, is, like, putting the writing at the forefront. Um, as opposed to, like, here's just me. More stuff. <laughs> yeah, here's more of me. And yeah. people are like, yeah, we had you last year,
2: but what's different? Got <laughs> a contract, do more stuff. Yeah. Better do the stuff. Yeah. What's the anatomy of a good joke? Mm. Um,
0: Damn. I mean, a good joke could be so many things. Like, I've heard good jokes that are, like, one-liners, where it's, like, a very, you know, mathematical setup punch. I've also heard heard great jokes that are, like, 11-minute stories where you don't laugh until the end. So, I don't know. I think well, what I like personally is uh, people being personal. <laughs> like, when... People are revealing something about their life and I can connect to it in a way or not and and appreciate this person's journey. Uh, some people don't like that. Some people are like, get to the jokes, p- funny person, you know, <laughs> but uh, that's OK, too. There are also comedians who do that. But I, I like hearing people learn something or grow from something um, or talk about how they were the asshole. And and also, and I feel like an audience can really relate to that because uh, we're all humans and I feel like comedy and especially stand-up is a very like old-school like uh, oratory medium where it's like you can just stand in front of a group of people, talk to them, and they can connect with you. And I think that's great. And when you offer yourself up and are vulnerable, I think that's one of the best magic happens.
2: And that's really scary to do. Yeah. You know, standing in front of a room of people, not only just pres- basically presenting yourself, but also presenting something. I mean, it's like it's a monologue. Yeah. It's like terrifying. Yeah. Do you get nervous? Um,
0: Yeah, a little bit. Uh, the amount of nerves and the amount of time I'm nervous before I get on stage has definitely decreased over the years, but... Yeah, there's some times where I'm like, I've never said this joke out loud or like, ooh, I don't I don't know the space that well or just, you know, anything. But I I like that because I feel like if I was not nervous at all, I wouldn't care. And I've been not nervous on stage before. And the show is like, fine. I'm just I'm like too loose or I don't know, in my head thinking about something else because I'm like a robot and that doesn't make a good performance. So like I do like the nerves because it does propel me to be more
2: engaged. Have you ever had a tough crowd that you had to win over? Like how do you read a room? How do you win them over?
0: <laughs> um, Yeah, I've had tough crowds to win over. I've had tough crowds that I never wore, won over. Um, but yeah, it's I mean, it's a symbiotic relationship. I can feel their energy. They can feel my energy. So if something's off, I could either address it and sometimes that alleviates the tension in the room. Uh, but sometimes that doesn't even work. And people are like, no, we still don't like you or what you're giving us. <laughs> and uh, yeah, sometimes there's nothing you can do. It's like, it could be like the energy of the room was weird before you even walked in or i don't know some something happened and you didn't even see it like someone got in a fight in the back and i, I can't hear it a bunch or, of bad first dates yeah yeah <laughs> the whole everyone's on a bad first date it's it's hard to say
2: have you ever been booed <laughs>
0: um <laughs> i yes i have i was trying to, i was gonna say i don't think anyone said the word boo but then i remembered someone did uh this was i was on tour with bonnaroo uh where i was like opening for these bands and i was at some bar and And I I think I came out and was like, Y'all ready for comedy? And one guy was like, No, boo. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I didn't even get a chance to speak for this person to be like, Oh, I don't like what she has. He was just like, I just am against comedy in general. Okay. Well, that's less personal. He just
2: unilaterally booed.
0: Yeah. Which, but like, I, and people were like, thankfully on my side, and they're like, Kick him out, yell at him. But like, that's so not my style. I'm not like the, I'm a shut hecklers down kind of style. I really am like, do you want to have a good time? Like I'm <laughs> turning to their mom. I'm like, do, you, do you realize what you're doing here? You're creating a disruption, and people pay tickets tickets to see this. And and then usually they're like, oh yeah, you're right. I'm the asshole. Never mind. Just
2: like peer pressure, just shame. Yeah, yeah. Public I, just, shaming. I just public shame them. <laughs> what do you see comedy's place in toppling the patriarchy? Is there a way to use comedy as a form of activism?
0: I think so yeah I mean I th- I think comedy is like uh, a reflection of society so like I feel like comedians kind of have a third eye where we notice stuff that a lot of people don't notice or people notice it but they don't know how to communicate it or don't know how to assess it so it's kind of our role to do that for them and be like Here's how you can think of this in a positive light or in a negative light or here's the devil's advocate view of this situation that we're all going through. Um, But yeah, I think I mean, like people learn about stuff through comedy because they're more their guard is down. They're like more open to laugh about it and be like, oh, wait, that is kind of fucked up. Like, I mean, (laughs) many women uh, were accusing Bill Cosby of rape. And that was, like, public information for years. And it wasn't until Hannibal Burris said it on stage, people were like, wait a minute, what? And then, like, you know, that all really catapulted a whole <laughs> movement of trying to get this person in, in prison. And it worked. But, like, it took, took a comedian casually saying it on stage for people to be like, oh, I guess that is fucked up,
2: you know? Where is he right now? Bill? Uh, Hannibal. Hannibal. I miss him. Oh, yeah.
0: I miss him, too. I think he's doing stuff. It's I, like
2: not. You yeah. don't need to know that.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh he, I know he's doing a podcast. I think he was in a movie recently. He's, like, doing whatever
2: he wants. <laughs> so you have a podcast. I have Speaking a podcast. Speaking of podcasts. Yeah. It's called Best Friends. Yeah. With your best friend. With my best friend, Nicole Byer. Tell me about your podcast.
0: It's fun. It's uh, it's just us talking. It's essentially what we would be doing on her couch anyway. Um, but we also answer advice like people can write in or call in and ask for friendship advice which I didn't realize the range of questions we get like people I thought people would be like I'm the third wheel and my best friend's in a relationship we get those but uh, we also get ones that are like about money or like family stuff or jealousy or it just like it runs the gamut and it's really nice because it makes us think about our friendship more and also makes us just think about friendships as a relationship in general because there's so many things that talk about romantic relationships like how to get one how to keep one etc but there's not too many things talking about like friendships and how important that is to a life because it is it's extremely important
2: what is the power of a, of a of a strong female friendship? Oh, man.
0: I mean, I think a strong female friendship can, like, truly change your life. Like, I met Nicole when I started doing UCB eight, ten years ago, and we've been working together, and we've traveled together, and we are truly each other's best friends, and I think it's it's really great to have someone grow with you, and change, and call you out when you need to be called out, and... Support you when you need support. and it I don't know. It's nice to to be with somebody who who gets you.
2: And I feel like best friends inevitably have tiffs at some point. Yeah. Have you guys ever had a tiff? Was there a time you had to make up? Who like, yeah, how do you deal with that? It happens mm. with all best.
0: It happens it with all best friends uh, and consistently because it's a relationship. and like, you know, there's gonna be times where your gears are grinding and you can't figure out why. Uh, we had some trouble when she moved to LA. I was we were we both met in New York, lived there. She moved to LA maybe like 2012 or 13, and I stayed in New York, and it was a little tough because it felt like we well. She, she thought I was moving on past her. Like you're getting all these new friends, you got a new job, you got a man, this and that. And I'm like, but you also have new friends, and you also have a job, and like you're also doing these things. It just feels worse because we're not in the same place, and like in the same location, like in the same state. Uh, and so that was growing pains we had to get through because it sucked because we were far apart and we couldn't see each other every day like we used to. But we. I don't know. We, we worked it out through talking about it. Just I feel like communication is the best way to work through something. And we just we had many talks about it and realized like, oh, it doesn't matter what the other person is going through or what stage they're at. We're still going to love each other. So it's OK.
2: So you recently did a romantic comedy called The Weeknd yes. that you've been talking about a lot on social media. And I know it's out now on streaming platforms. Yeah. Can you tell me about it? Yes, it's fun. It's a romantic comedy with me, Alain Noel,
0: Dewanda Weiss, uh, Tone Bell, Kim Whitley plays my mom, which is amazing. Stella Meggie is the writer-director. And it's um, it's a romantic comedy where I play a comedian who's in love with my ex and my ex has moved on with someone else. And so... Not letting go, I invite my ex to my mom's bed and breakfast. He brings his girlfriend. It's an awkward love triangle. And then someone else uh, who's not even in our group checks into the bed and breakfast. And then he starts flirting with me. My ex gets jealous and it's like a love square. So inappropriate. So
2: inappropriate. So you have a new show coming up on Comedy Central.
0: Yes. Uh, It's called Robbie and it's uh, created by Rory Scoville and we are co-parenting a child together and I think it's really fun. Like we deal with like religion and race and other things but it doesn't feel like heavy handed because it's comedy and I think that's uh, people are going to like learn a lot of stuff but in a way that's disarming and fun.
2: There's a few questions I ask everybody that comes on Girl Boss Radio. Mm-hmm. And one of them is surrounds this concept of success. You know, I think it's easy to say, Sashir, you're so successful and you are in so many ways, but success means many things. Yeah. Uh, what is your concept of success right now? My concept of success is
0: doing something that moves me. So I, could do something that doesn't pay me that much money but if it feels fulfilling in some way it's worth it to me and which I have done recently like I want to be able to learn something or grow in some way so like if I do a project that's like you know I don't get that much screen time but I get to play a fun character that I've never played before or I don't get that much money but I get to work with this director who I've been dying to work with whatever the thing is I just want to feel like I'm moving up a level
2: in some aspect of my life we also have a thing called girl boss moments uh-huh. that our digital community and girlboss.com share all day long something we talk about every monday here as a team um here at, at girl boss mm-hmm. and we just had the um, that meeting this morning and it's really a time in your most recent history where you're just proud of something yeah um, personally professionally it could be like i took my dog for a walk or it could be like i landed a role that like is my dream role what was your most recent girl boss moment
0: I'd say my most recent one is uh, well, I'm working on a standup special, and I've gotten a bunch of no's, which is honestly great because now I just get to do it on my own. Like I maybe had like two seconds of where I was like, oh, that sucks, but then I was like, oh, I don't have to wait for a yes, so I'm just doing it, and I'm learning how to produce it, which is also a skill that I want. So I'm I, I feel very excited for this new journey and also like excited to learn about all the intricacies of what's goes into creating something like this and i get to control it which is something i didn't really get to do last time so i'm very excited to really have more ownership of this process and um come away with something
1: i think will be really cool we hope sashir empowers you to develop the confidence to start new projects keep up with sashir on instagram and twitter at the sheer truth Share your love for Girlboss Radio and this episode on Instagram, Insta Stories, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. As always, be sure to leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to sign up for our new daily email, The Girlboss Daily. We leave you with this. Chase and reach your dreams.